Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guests are Paul and Cyan, who are both lifelong contactees of the Zeta race and have conscious recall of their contact with the beings that they work with. They are both deep trance mediums and spirit guides to assist others. Paul and Cyan, thank you guys so much for joining me and welcome. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. All right, before we get started, about two weeks ago, I had Kathleen Marden on and she was here talking about how she was healed by a Zeta being named Keek. Can you guys give us your viewpoint on what happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I met Kathleen, uh, I think it was in 2012. I'd been developing for a long time. When I say developing, it was, you know, sort of meditating, working on trance, those sorts of things. And I'd started to get contact with these beings you know, that were called Zetas or Greys. And uh, one day they said, you know, we'd like to start working with some humans and see if we can do some healing. And uh, I'd, I'd noticed that Kathleen had put up a uh, experiences survey. And so I decided to do the survey. I think there was only 25 people on that survey. But uh, then I contacted Kathleen. We, we started to talk. And Kathleen alluded to the fact that she'd uh, been unwell and uh, I said, well, why don't you talk to the Zetas through me? And what will happen is, is, you know, you can maybe talk to them about that. So I didn't know anything. Uh, Kathleen spoke to Keek and then uh, Keek said that he would heal her. And um, next thing we know, Kathleen's healed. And I, I was a bit surprised by the whole thing personally. Um, I'd never been involved with healing before with, with these extraterrestrial beings. I didn't know that they could be so clear and succinct in, in what they said that they could do. And, and we've seen, you know, since then, hundreds of people get healed by them. In the beginning, I mentioned you're a trance medium and you s just said that you weren't really aware of what was going on. Is that yeah. how it usually plays out for you? Look, when you first start off, look, there's, there's levels of trance, you know, there's, you know, sort of inspirational trance, inspirational speaking, light trance, overshadowing, you know, trance, deep trance, physical mediumship where you could be unconscious. And so um, I, I, in the beginning, I I guess I had more of a conscious understanding, as would you, Cyan, mm -hmm. in regards to um, trance work. But as you develop over many years, uh, what takes place is the beings that come and speak through you mm. require more and more control so that when they say that they're going to do something like heal somebody or do some teaching or whatever, they're able to actually, uh, you know, uh, perform the function that they say that they want to do. And so for a lot of people, I think it's a journey, their, their mediumship, their, their trance work is a journey. I think it's worth adding that no two healings with the Zetas are ever the same either. Hmm. So when, when the Zetas say they're going to heal somebody, we don't know whether that healing is is going to be instant in yeah. that it could happen whilst we're talking to you right now, or they're going to come overnight like they did. We put you on a craft and then, and we've seen that happen many times where we've said to people, well, look, you know, we, we got, the Zetas have offered healings and so we've, we've sat there together, gone into trance, yeah. that the energy in the room has shifted. There's been 10 people in the room and next thing half of them have ended up on mm -hmm. craft. And healed. And being healed as well. <laughs> I would assume that if people find out about this, you would have a giant line of people trying to contact you for healing. Yeah. We, yeah. we do have many people yeah, contacting we do us. Already. Yeah, it's an, an area that we, we do work in. Yeah. But the Zetas, it's their decision. It's always their decision. I mean, we can make, you know, we can ask spirit, our spirit guides if they want to work with somebody. 
um, you know, like for healing, and often they do a very good job as well. Mm. Uh, other people will. Um, we need to manage expectation. That's what it comes down to. Um, quite often it takes a while to become unwell. It, it's a journey that your body's on. And so the, for the Zetas to bring somebody to wellness via different methods, etheric body, whatever, it needs to be a, a rolling back of what the person, you know, has spent many months or years doing to themselves. I like that you said that becoming unwell is a journey. And yeah. you also believe that our unwellness is due to our own conscious state? Well, there's a few ways of thinking about it. When I speak to the Zetas, the Zetas say that, um, I'll give you an example. So I've been on well, say, 50 times, right? And then I have to sort of do a sitting, a public sitting. And a public sitting means that you're sitting there in trance and the Zetas will be talking to 20 or 30 people. Uh, what will happen is I could be really unwell, and but while they're with me, I am absolutely perfect, 100% healed. When they leave, they place back the unwellness. And people go, whoa, that's that's no good. What the Zetas have explained to me is, is that your higher self doesn't understand unwellness because it doesn't actually exist in the physical. Your consciousness exists around you. Your higher self creates a construct that it filters your reality through. And so what the Zetas do is, is they move a person in trance into uh, a nexus, a meeting point with their higher self, and at that point in time, there is no physical unwellness. So are you saying that once you just connect with your higher self, that'll yeah. heal your body? Yeah. Yeah. Even if all just for a temporary moment. It can until be for a temporary realign. moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy to hold yourself in um, a loving state of connection with your higher self. If your higher self was uh, meant to be in contact with you all the time, it would be. But because it's using your uh, construct as a methodology to um, define reality, then there's the differentiation between your higher self, the construct, and your physical reality. Would it be accurate to say that instead of using the word higher self, we can say that that's where your complete self is and here is our limited Absolutely. self? Absolutely. That is a really good way of saying it. So mm -hmm. we, we do a lot of work with people with what's called their point of origin uh, point of origin means that people um, are seeking to define where they were before they moved into this uh, three-dimensional state within this physical environment. Uh, what happens is often they then go on a journey once they uh, find out what their point of origin is, whether they're extraterrestrial or angelic or celestial or interdimensional. And at that point in time, they then are able to um, understand much more about themselves and become that, that whole whole person. Can you define for us the difference between consciousness and our mind and how the higher self interacts with those? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's, let's start with uh, the, your point of origin. So before you've existed physically, you've, 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 uh, you've decided to come and either as a spirit or extraterrestrial or whatever mm. definition, you then uh, move into a physical form through the birthing process. Now, what you need to do is you do need to develop a construct. And the construct is all of your biases, your rule sets, your automatic thoughts, the way that you see the world. And in doing so, uh, higher self then defines you by the personality of that construct. You then define yourself by that construct by interacting with everybody around you. That construct is the mind? Yeah. All right, and then consciousness has to interact with that construct then. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, for sure. Can you tell us a little bit more about the different points of origin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, well, <laughs> big, <laughs> big, big question. Uh, how big is the universe or the multiverse? So uh, we've come across how many different races do you think? Oh, oh so I have many. no idea. I've lost contact. So many different races. Uh, we, when we do the point of origin work with people, we people generally, it's so interesting, people could have spent their life mm. drawing specific patterns and shapes. Mm. We don't get that information from them. They then do a point of origin sitting with us. And next thing, they, we find out through the Zetas that the person, that's what they do in their 
uh, real existence, not their former existence, because when you leave your uh, physical three-dimensional, you know, human form, you just move back to that that uh, process. A lot of people just think, well, <clears throat> I'm spirit, I'll go back to spirit realm, but some people are actually hybrids, so mm. they live in a symbiotic relationship with spirit people within their own physical form, and what they do is they then go back to their own extraterrestrial or interdimensional origins. The Within this uh, galaxy, there'd be about a thousand races that, that are interacting with this planet that are, mm. you know, let, let's think about this. This civilization is not the first civilization that's inhabited this planet. Mm. All humans that are here uh, have some type of extraterrestrial or interdimensional origins. A lot of us feel that we don't belong here. And so what we're looking for is to understand where is our point of insertion into this environment. Some would say that it, it's a, a, a prison environment. Some people have made those statements. Uh, when we've asked the spirits and extraterrestrial about that, they say it's because it's a container. And your physical body is a container that is a construct for spirit. A, a person's consciousness may allude to or believe that they are in a prison environment because of the fact that they're within a construct. The spirits say, well, think about this. What about spirit realm? Is spirit realm a construct that people can be trapped in? Not really, because they can move in and out of that construct as well. Mm. But from a spirit's perspective, an earthbound spirit, they may believe that in some, some way or form that they're actually trapped. We actually, um, we spoke to an interdimensional being uh, about a month ago, and there, um, this was through somebody's point of origin sitting that this mm. information then transpired. And their reason, their primary reason for um, being associated with the, with the human here as a, as a person, physical person on this earth, was to um, overcome the perception of, of the confinement of, of the, the 3D form. Mm. And so that kind of ties in with the, yeah, that sure. whole perception of, of being on a prison planet or trapped. Yeah. Um, we've also, Jeff, we've also seen people um, use um, journeying, um, psychotropic medica you know, methodologies to, to journey. They've gone into these interdimensional states, come back. Mm -hmm. When the plant medicine or whatever's worn off, they found that they've been back. They've been accompanied back by a dimensional entity. Now the dimensional entity can't get back to their place because the container that they're now with in consciousness is of a lower frequency. The person has to journey back to the state that they are in to release the consciousness. What about reincarnation? How does that play in with all of this? Do you want to talk about reincarnation? No, I'm going to let you. Talk yeah, about let me do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> So we work with a lot of different spirits and we love the spirit people that we work with. We've evidenced them heavily. They've given us their, all of their information mm. for evidence. They say that they um, come from an oversoul. An oversoul is like a, a diamond and each of those faces of that diamond are an individuated form mm. uh, and that individuated consciousness then incarnates into a physical form uh, to produce a life in a generational line. So absolutely, there is yeah. incarnation, no problem. Yeah. Before the show, you'd mentioned that you have had near-death experiences. Yeah. Were these experiences a catalyst to you coming in contact with the Zetas, or did that contact happen prior to that? Um, okay, so mm. I remember when I was five, I was on craft, Cyan was on craft as a child. We were on craft together. Uh, there's an age difference. Uh, they're able to loop back on, on time. Uh, I had the Zetas come when I was 18 in craft. Um, they showed themselves to myself and other people. We, we had the Zetas come multiple times and land in craft uh, with other people present. Um, but your NDEs, the they've, NDEs, they've been interlaced with your. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to work, to work out. this out because, <laughs> because with the NDEs, mm -hmm. I'm, like I had a big fall when I was climbing, 
and uh, I fell from the top of a 13 or 14 metre uh, rock face all the way down. I missed the ground and I thought I was going to die. I screamed all the way down. Um, I've been told that after a car accident that I, I passed, but uh, then I came back. Uh, I've had about four or five of them. I got, I got burnt in a, in a rather large fire, um, unfortunately. That's the understatement. <laughs> which is an understatement. Um, I believe that what happens is each time that we're taken to the edge of our existence, our knowing existence, what happens is we lose the um, the distance between where we are now and where we're from. And because of that, it means that ultimately there is no veil anymore. And the only veil that we have that stops us from connecting to spirits and, and other beings is the, is the walls that we set up for ourselves for safety. And so what we're doing is, is our fears sometimes are what stop us from getting contact with the correct spirits you know, people that um, sort of just jump straight into this don't take um, any uh, practical sort of, um, I'm not sure what the word would be, but careful. They're not careful about what mm. they do. They could end up, to, you know, with spirits that are giving them, uh, you know, problems. We spend more time making sure that we evidence the spirits that we work with uh, because those spirits, um, they're uh, wanting to support humanity. They're, they're wanting to to help people to grow. Mm. And so, you know, it's edifying. It's a, it's, it's an, a natural organic relationship that you have with spirits that, that grows as you grow yourself. And, yes, NDEs, absolutely. They definitely, um, you know, I'll give an example. So uh, my father, he, he died and nobody knew that he was dead and uh, he came and spoke to me for an hour and uh, he said that when he first passed over the first few seconds, he was disorientated, but um, he'd spoken to me a fair bit and he said that he realised he just needed to think and he came straight to me and we had a great conversation and then the phone rang and they said, look, we've just found your dad. He, he's been passed over for about an hour. I said, yes, I know because my dad's here now. Now, they wouldn't have understood what that meant. After about an hour of me talking to him, I said, look, I need to go to sleep, Dad. Um, can you come back in the morning? He said, yeah, no problem. So I woke up in the morning, bang, he was there straight away, talking, 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 talking. I said, look, it's time for you to pass over. Now, I don't mean pass over, go to the light. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that. He just needed to move to what's a place called the healing hall. And so he went and he was um, guided to the healing hall. And then an angel came to me and the angel said to me after about, seven months of my father passing and said, I'd like to take you into spirit realm and I want you to meet your father again. And, you know, when I say angel, I'm not talking about, a, you know, with big wings or anything, just a, a light that uh, I could sense was a celestial entity. And next thing I know, I was in an altered state, taken out of my body, pushed into a different uh, vibration, which is spirit realm, because spirit realm is all around us. I then found myself walking with the angel towards my father and my father was in the healing hall. There were many, many beds, many, many people that had passed over that were um, recuperating from their journey, from their holiday into the, uh, into the land of the physically living because well, I say physically living because, of course, you're living in spirit realm as well. And it was a very, very good experience for me to do that. Zion, can you tell us how you came into contact with the Zetas? My experiences started, oh, well, the earliest memory I've, I have is when I was about three, three and a half, four years old. And um, they, they, uh, they, they came and brought a small boy with them. And uh, I don't know how many times I met with that small boy, but when I met Paul and we were going through all these old photos, <laughs> there he was. Um, so, so they would they would come to me semi regularly that I remember. Um, I didn't have to do anything to instigate that. That was already, as with other uh, hybrid humans, already part of the plan, and they visit their own. Yeah. Um, and as my relationship uh, with them developed, as as I've got gotten closer to them, uh, more of 
it's just grown and grown. Um, my, I'm not able to bring them through as Paul is at this point, although I think I can handle that eight minutes worth oh, thought, of... Uh, nine, oh, nine minutes. Nine minutes, okay. There's a, big, a bit of a nine gap there. Nine minutes worth of their right. conversation. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a very interesting journey. I mean, it's, it's, it's very difficult to try and summarise it all in, in one paragraph. <laughs> it's almost mm. impossible. But the experiences have ranged from uh, screen memory experiences where they show themselves as projections um, to obfuscate their true appearance. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't be scared when I was very young, um, whereas they didn't need to do that with Paul because his contact was so much more vast. He literally grew up with them from a, a, yeah. a very young child. Um, but, uh, you know, to, and I've also experienced crazy sort of X-File type mm. scenarios with them where I've, you know, been levitated out of the room, you know, um, mm. experiences that defy any uh, logic and words for the most part when you're, when you're recounting them, that none, I've not had to have any hypnosis, neither of us have, yeah. to recall these events. They've allowed us to remember them. Um, now, whether they, whether we remember the partial screen memory and that screen memory has dropped, or more like these days, we just you know when they walk into the room, we see them walking into the room. It's yeah. uh, as, as conscious as we're speaking now. Well, you've been with me when Kraft have come. Yeah, absolutely. We've rec we recorded yeah, them as well. Yeah. We've had we've had Kraft come down over the house. Um, we've photographed them in the back garden over the pool. You yeah. know, I mean, it's we have people come round to our house for for sittings. And then after the sitting is finished, they they say they've seen them at the top of the stairs. You know, they're yeah, the beings, they're yeah. generally always around, and so it's uh, it's it's been a long journey, but it's been incredible and scary and amazing all at the same time. You mentioned screen memory. What is that? Mm. You can answer that question. <laughs> the screen memories. Um, lots of races use screen memories. It's not just the Zetas, but we'll talk about the Zeta screen memories because that's that's our predominant information they they have we've managed to over the years um define five or six different types mm. of screen memory category that they use they range from complete absent missing time that will never be recovered it doesn't matter what you do you're just never mm. going to get that and we back. call it class a yep class a, class a. you're going to have to fill me in on the gaps here um uh, or a narrative uh which is the more obviously remembered and recalled um class b class b or the narrative that has like a time stamp so it's yeah. it's designed to fail like a like a band-aid has been put over a memory with a little tiny bit up on the edge that catches and rips off mm. that's a type c, that's type c. <laughs> and the projections i can't remember what we call them but um whether it's an E or an F. They're, they're the D and they're the constructs. They're the constructs. But they use them for lots of different reasons. But the main reason is to protect the mind of, of the hybrid, of, mm. of the person, to yeah. ensure that the construct doesn't become damaged because yeah. these experiences can be absolutely hair-raising. Yeah. Um, it, it all started in the past about 80 years ago. They used to come mm. and... They'd take little plugs of skin and mm. they'd work out, you know, whether the person's consciousness was bound to the cellular time. Mm -hmm. And this is because this is why people were getting all these plugs of skin taken. People call them scoop marks. Scoop marks, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then what they started to do was to, and they they started to realise they were causing psychological damage, also immune responses in regards to contact. And so they started to work with the etheric body of, of people uh, to have a look at how the etheric body was integrating with the symbiotic relationship mm. between the extraterrestrial consciousness and uh, the mind. But what they started to realise was is that they needed to embed different types of screen memories based around the Schumann frequency so that ultimately people wouldn't be damaged psychologically from contact. To keep the construct occupied whilst the real event, whatever it was, was happening. So, so an example would be, we'll use a class B narrative. A class B narrative is that you uh, believe that you're holding a baby on a craft. Or you're flying the craft. Or that you're actually flying the craft. Mm -hmm. But what's taking place is, is that your construct is being given the information you're fully embedded in the holographic 
consciousness of the imagery. But if you, as a hybrid, your extraterrestrial nature is off to the side discussing, mm. communicating with your own race. And the, these stories they give people, these narratives, these screen memories, they are fully immersive. You would really not be able to tell the difference yeah. between uh, unless there's something really peculiar about it like you know there, there's a, a, a bunny rabbit in your hallway and they're six foot tall unless mm. there's something very obvious about yeah. it um you if they if they uh, they are designed to replicate our real normality our normal life you won't know the difference it mm. will be a real experience for you there's a lot of this information in some of the books we, we give some books away for free yeah one of them's called the uh, zeta interviews it's about 700 pages so there's a lot of information in that um, yeah people can read about it yeah. so what you're saying is that for example the narrative class b is they just give you some kind of manufactured memory that's yeah. not real Absolutely. but it's so good that you believe it's real Absolutely. Because our construct mind can't really handle the real contact yeah. that we had. Yeah. I'll give you a really good example, <laughs> um, and we'll go through some of them. So you're in bed, and uh, you're going to be taken onto craft. So what's going to happen is, is you're going to be given a Class A screen memory because you're going to have missing time. You're not going to remember a certain event that took place, and that may be for leaving the bed and going through the wall because – you had to be dematerialized to move through the wall. Next thing you know, you're on craft, you're having a class B narrative where you're holding a baby, looking at a tube with all human bits and pieces in it or whatever. <laughs> or flying a craft. Or flying a craft, whatever you're doing. <laughs> and then uh, you'll be coming back and you'll be placed in the bed and you could be given a class C uh, screen memory where you don't remember any of it, but it's basically got a biometric timer attached to it. Ten years from now, suddenly you're washing the dishes and you go, holy crap, I remember that. I was on craft and this yeah. is what happened and I had, I've had, i got children and all these things. Uh, so you can see that a person that's being contacted can have multiple screen memory levels that are given to them. Mm. We, we work with a lot of people unpicking all of that. Yeah, we do that. Yeah. And it can take a long time. <laughs> Do you have any idea what percentage of the population this is happening to? Yeah, about 30%. So the Zetas have said that there are, so firstly, um, we've been had a lot of contact with Arcturians, Palladians, the Zetas, and uh, some people call it the Galactic Federation, but we don't. We call it the Council of Nine. And the Council of Nine have been uh, fairly prolific uh, in our lives in regards to managing what goes on around us, who comes and discusses with us what beings will come through the trance states. We've worked out from all of the discussions that we've had, even with the Anunnaki, as well as the Anorians and the Sirius A and a lot of other beings, mm -hmm. that about 30% of the human population are cognitively aware of the fact that they have an extraterrestrial component to themselves. Earlier you mentioned the Schumann frequency. Yeah. What is that? It's a frequency. I think it, it, uh, it, it vibrates at about 7.83 hertz. Well, it could be 7.38. Uh, oh, 3.83. But yeah, yeah math's not a very good area for me, but dyslexic. Um, so the Schumann frequency is used as an alignment method for the embedding of um, screen memory technology. The thing is, is that spirit people use it as well. So when you move from spirit realm into the physical dimension, you generally can't remember much about yourself uh, having existed in spirit realm. Yeah. Um, the human frequency is a resonant frequency around the planet that you use to stay grounded. That grounded state that, uh, that we are embedded in also has in the technology of the embedded screen memory. So the extraterrestrials are using the Schumann frequency as well to embed uh, screen memories within humans' consciousness. Are all humans hybrids? No. Mm -hmm. No, so there are um, a lot of humans that are um, specifically just purely from spirit realm. Yeah, but it depends how technical you want it, to get. Like there. we could get quite technical. We mm -hmm. could talk about, let's say, imagine a sphere and the sphere is spirit realm. 
and then we say, well, inside the you know the uh, the sphere is an what's classed as multiple oversouls, and each of that could have you know infinite shards of conf- consciousness that like to embed themselves in you know as the human experience. Above that is what's classed as the nexus point. The nexus point is where celestials and interdimensionals, angelic beings, move into spirit realm and then incarnate into the physical form. Mm. And so when we look at who is what person, what person is this, what person is that, it could be that a person can, yeah, absolutely be spirit, but can also have an embedded component that is celestial as well. Mm. They don't need to actually be extraterrestrial. They can be interdimensional or angelic. In the beginning, you mentioned that the Zetas are the greys. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. Where are they from? Start from the beginning. We'll start from the, well, do you want, you want to start from the beginning? I was going to say there are 63 yeah. races to the species of, of grey yeah. alien, as we humans call them. And 62 of them are part of the collective consciousness or the hive mind. Mm. And one, one of, them, of the races, is, which is known as the greys, are the ones that do most of the abductions and they don't care about humanity's free will, they just do them. The other 62 races, and we've met seven of them. Seven or eight. Seven or eight yeah. of them. Yeah. They all provide specific functions. Uh, they work for the betterment of uh, a species. And they abide by free will. And they will. abide by free will. So if you say no, no means no, they won't work with you. Um, are they from the Zeta Reticulum? Are they from the Zeta Reticulum? <laughs> that is a massive question. Um, I would suggest that the, um, I think it's called the horologium, is, is a much larger area. And a lot of the different uh, races come from around those areas. But in the past, the, the greys actually um, were developed from plant life. So a lot of people don't know this. They talk about biological clones, entities, containers. But prior to all of that, in their own, um, in you know, uh, evolution. evolution, yeah, they themselves came from plant life. Now, as they moved through their evolutionary processes, they started to move into technological um, civilizations, and a lot, a lot of the beings now live on craft. Yeah, and some of them live in um, underground. Some of them live underground. Well. Some of them. Don't live live on on the surface. Yep. Different planets, different places, different systems. Yeah. How are they able to get here and cross those vast distances? Yeah, absolutely. So there's multiple ways to do it. So the, <clears throat> I'll give you an example. The, the first way is that you can project your consciousness to a point, and then using what's called a fine matter, you can then populate and materialize into that physical space. And that's what spirits use to create a ports. The second one is, is where you put a container of a physical form that's been maturated onto a craft, but with no consciousness, the craft has the consciousness. The craft then um, can use different types of technologies, uh, dematerialized states, space-time compression, and move from one point of existence to another, and then arrive here. The the biological entities do not have a consciousness. Once the craft arrives, the beings then just project their consciousness into the form, enliven the form, and the beings are now fully cognitive of their um, process mm. that they need to perform. Yeah. Yep, so that's the second one. The other one is where you've got humans or another species travelling on the craft as well, and they actually have to use uh, portals or gateways to move from one. So I'll give you an example. We've got the reticulum here and earth here. They travel for a few days to a um, like a wormhole type technology, jump from that through space-time to another one, then travel from three days to the planet. So realistically, the journey takes six days. Is there like a mothership that all of these smaller craft get in and travel through or yeah, are these smaller they, they can they can do that that they've got uh craft that, um i've seen one of those craft was powering up near the sun and mm. it was 
absolutely I've never seen anything. It must have been massive mm. to to be that big, and it was one of the new craft. Um, in the past, uh, so people are talking about Tic Tacs and all these things. Uh, the first craft that came to me and my friends uh, was about eight metres away in day daylight, um, and it was about eight metres across, looked like a cigar or, or a Tic Tac. The side went clear and uh, there was two Zetas inside and they watched us for two minutes while we watched them. Uh, years later, another craft landed, uh, had about 15 people with me and about 10 Zetas came out and walked around. That was circular. That was a big circular craft. Probably about 30 foot in diameter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the craft that came over the house. That was about eight metres. Was, was eight, eight metres, but there was a much bigger one that came. We recorded that one. Oh, I don't know how big that one That was a big craft. Yeah, I'm talking about the little one. <laughs> These, the, the thing is people go, wow, I want this experience. Okay, you want this experience. Make sure that you are prepared for the ramification mm. of the experience. These beings do not like to be observed. What they want is to interact with you in a way where you're not projecting any biases or fears onto them. And so if we want true contact with extraterrestrials, we need to uh, stand in a space where we're authentic, where we are in a non-fear and non-judgmental relationship with them, mm. and that they understand that we hold our sovereignty when we're in relationship with them. And when we do that, then we have a, a relationship that flows. Yep, and absolutely, there's some pretty big craft out there. <laughs> I guess it would take some, if not some, a lot of preparation of ourselves to be able to get there, to be able to hold space with them. We call it heterodyning. So um, we, we were taught by the Zetas many years ago about this new process. Uh, people, and I tried it myself, uh, CE5, I wasn't too successful. Yeah, there's lights out in the sky, those sorts of things. I wanted them to come to yeah. the house. Lights in the sky is not enough. That's not enough for me. To know who you're working with. Um, so we started asking them, well, what is, the, what is the method? There must be some method that, that you would like to see where it where. So a lot of people are talking about what's called the phenomenon. They're in the house. Suddenly the ET turn up. Next thing you know, they've got spirits, these things that the fabric and the distortion takes place in the room. Uh, they don't understand what's going on. They, don't, they haven't had years of sort of contact with ET. And so we asked them, I said, well, what is it that people could do for themselves? I said, well, if, if you learnt about the difference, what is your energy compared to another person's energy? Because if you understand your own energy, then when the energy shifts around you, you will understand it's not your energy but an external energy to you. They uh, see that if a person can understand that, then when they affect the energy around you, that you can then create some type of relationship. Now, you may not understand what you're doing, but the tool that you have with you is, is breathing, and your breathing carries within it all harmonics. It's the first thing you do when you're born and the last thing that you do when you pass is breath. And the breath holds within it the capacity to build what's called compression states. These compression states, um, we teach this, the compression states helps people to develop a good, strong relationship with ET. You have a handbook called the Zeta Mind, which is to help yeah. people you know, learn how to safely contact ETs. Is that what you're teaching yeah. in that handbook or other stuff? Yeah, that, that's what we're teaching. Yeah. That's what we're teaching. We just finished uh, the last book. Um, it's called uh, Inside the Hive Mind. And that's my journey in regards to how I went from as a child all the way through to where I am now. But the Zeta Mind is um, a, just a small handbook that goes through and, and talks about the basics of contact mm. in a way that a person can understand what is their etheric body, what is the difference between external energy uh, energy that's close to you. Mm. How do you extend your consciousness? It, there's a lot to this. If it was that easy that people could um, have ET walking around the house or with them, it would just be happening. But these, as I said before, they do not want to be observed because when you observe something, you change it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So from their perspective, they need you to be as neutral as possible. 
And you have to understand your own energy so that when you're in their presence, that you're not embedding anything into their consciousness. You would think, or at least I would think, they would have an ability to somehow shield themselves from our consciousness. But that's not relationship. You see, if they have to shield themselves from uh, us, they're not communicating effectively with us. But what they want is to be able to effectively talk to us in a very clear Mm. uh, telepathic methodology and to do that, they need to not put up the barriers that would block the things that come from us to them. From what you're saying, it appears that to me, full disclosure is never going to happen. One, because it'll totally mess up the construct. And two, we can't, you know, regulate ourselves. Look, there's two types of disclosure. The first one is humans will disclose continually. And, and let's say that today, uh, humans say, look, yep, aliens exist. It, it's all happening. We've got it all here. And we all go, okay, great. There's extraterrestrials. We all know. Thank you so much for the disclosure. Tomorrow, we all walk outside and we look into the skies and we go, where are the ET? And the ET don't come and they can't come because we have too many biases in regards to our, our communication processes with them. Yeah. It's like you don't want to be around somebody that's negative, right? So what you, they're not saying we're negative, but they are saying, well, if you want to communicate with us, learn about your own energy, learn about your own breath work, learn about what the difference is between your thoughts and another's thoughts so that when you get these telepathic communications from them to you, that you understand that it's, it's, it's a process a process that flows and it's it's a very organic process why are they here to study us or to help us interestingly that the races are here because in the future when this species on this planet has developed enough technology as is already taking place they're going to this species travel and on the timeline it's seen that many many humans travel into the outer reaches of the galaxy. In doing so, they start to meet all of these other communities and civilizations. These beings have come here knowing that they want to try to manage the contact. So they want to kind of, you know, get us in a better place before we go out there and start causing trouble. That's pretty much That's it. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Before the new kids on the block roll up and wind down their windows. That's right. <laughs> We've been using the word construct, and to me that kind of implies that we live in a simulation like the Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that we can get to an ability that we can actually manipulate the construct for our own benefit? You can. You just need to be in a, what's called a creational space. So using um and heterodyning is used for many different things you, you're going to start to hear a lot of people talk about heterodyning over the years when they understand what it actually means and the you know what the capacity is for you to change your um your reality um it's all based around everything's based around space-time compression uh when you see a craft in the sky and it goes from there to there, uh, it moved, it actually moved across. But because we're on a different space time compression ratio, we think that it goes from there to there, but we don't hear a son- sonic boom or anything. It's the same for us. We're able to uh, control, in some respects, our reality if we understand that we're in a uh, a construct based in consciousness, but we can also interact with the fabric of that construct by using our breathing and by using our consciousness and by understanding all the different nuances of the fabric around us. Was the Roswell UFO crash a Zeta ship? You can answer that question. How much am I allowed to say? How much are you allowed to say? <laughs> am I allowed to say yes? <laughs> well, you can say yes. Yeah, yeah the, the Zetas that we speak with have said that, yes, it was a Zeta ship. Yeah. Did they give you any information how the ship crashed? 
It wasn't crashed purposefully. Yeah, it wasn't. It was not gifted. It, it wasn't gifted to to humans. Uh, so, what we've uh, found is, and we had a practical example of this. I was just sitting in the house, and uh, I had this telepathic uh, communication that said, "Turn on your uh, recorder on your phone. We're about to bring in a craft." I never told Cyan what was happening. Mm-hmm. I just said to Cyan, because that's evidential for me. If I don't tell her that, then I'm not putting an expectation into her mind. Um, the Cyan and I went and sat down and we could hear this um, sonic ping, wasn't it? Like a submarine sonar. A sonar, yeah. Two tones pinging either side of the house. As the craft came down, everybody could hear this craft coming down. It was so loud. Anyone in the neighbourhood could hear it. Um, but they were using this uh, ping, this sonic noise, because travelling at very, very slow speeds, the craft aren't actually designed to do that. No, they become unstable. They become very unstable. Mm. And so there, there's a couple of different ways that a craft can come down. One is, is that some type of technology is used to distort uh, through EMF the fabric of the craft there's a malfunction within the consciousness of the craft and the craft crashes, mm-hmm. or the craft just is not um, in, a, in a proper uh, uncompressed state. Now, when I say that, remember craft often travel from one place to another in a dematerialized state. When they come into the atmosphere, they're not built or designed to correctly uh, work within this three-dimensional space. Give an example. When they go from air into water, there's no splash. That's because when they enter the water, they move into a different space-time compression. And so this is why these craft do crash, because um, they're often trying to make the change quite quickly from one state to the next. You mentioned that the craft has consciousness. So the craft are sentient living beings. Sentient, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've been on craft a few times. Um, I was asleep and uh, a being come awoke, Keek come and woke me up, the one that healed Kathleen. And he said to me, come outside. I said, no, and just roll back over and put the pillow over my head. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I've got an ET under each arm and I'm being walked out and I could see this craft. And I said, oh, okay, I'll come. And, you know, I've gone on board and uh, there's this uh, skeletal type uh, substrate or structure within the craft and it's like a, there's beams and in the middle there's this dome. And some of the, this is on some of the larger craft. And I walked up and could see this um, little three-fingered pad. And, um, you know, I've got five fingers. It would be difficult to navigate this thing. But when I actually had a look at it, this, this um, geometric shape came out and it was a multifaceted, multidimensional shape. And the more you um, – it was malleable. So the more you shifted the geometric shape, the more you interacted with the craft. It wasn't just about me standing there thinking. It was about me using this geometric shape as a method to actually talk to the craft. I was wondering about the interface between the ETs and the craft itself. Yeah, yeah. The the crafts don't have a pilot that acts as an interface between the two? Some craft do. So, you know, like we, we need to be aware that just on planet here, there's all different cars, there's ships, there's planes, there's jets, there's everything. Everything has a different interface. Craft have a different interface as well, depending on who makes them and what race or species they belong to. And what they use. The drones, the small drones, they are actually able to be uh, remotely navigated by using telepathic commands. Uh, the other craft, generally, some of the big ones will have a pilot. I've been on craft where they have pilot. You've been on craft that's yeah, oh, seen yeah. pilots yeah. as well. Yeah. We've been on craft together yeah. in full form, physical form, and seen Zetas walking around all performing specific functions on craft. Mm-hmm. There are other craft where there's um, uh, like a, um, a dome in the middle of the craft, but it's a bucket, uh, three buckets, and they lay down together and they can form a, co- a small collective consciousness and in doing so, they then interact with the craft and they're able to, uh, you know, get the craft. Craft generally know what they're doing anyway. 
Uh, so it's like I'll give you an example. Um, humans have worked out that if they get some sort of um, calcium skeletal structure and in the right uh, viscosity of fluid, uh, they can put some cellular matter around it. It'll bind itself to the skeletal structure and then they can grow something like an ear. They attach it to somebody's arm or whatever. Well, the Zetas and other races do the same thing, but they use sperm and eggs as well to create some of these craft. Uh, not all craft, just some of them. That's a sort of a testing process that yeah. they're currently going through. Because the cells can hold consciousness. Yeah, because I'll give you an example. They take human cells, like say um, sperm and ovum, and they what they do is, is they create a craft and then they see if a human telepathically can bind with the craft because it's of the same matrix structure as the human, same the same process. genetic structure as the human. No good trying to get myself or you, Jeff, to telepathically connect to a, a, a craft that uh, has a, a very, very complex nucleotide sequence. That's And so they're working in these type of technologies to try to work out, well, in the future when everybody's sort of leaving this planet and going off, you know, how are they, these people going to be working with their craft as well? And I'm, I'm pretty sure that... Um, some, a lot of this stuff sounds like science fiction, that some of this stuff's probably already being uh, mm. worked on. Are all crafts conscious beings or are there, are there some no. that are just nuts and bolts? There's some that are just nuts and bolts. Absolutely. I'm pretty, like, you know, the, the, um, the, the small tic-tac that came, I mean, this thing was only eight metres from me and my friends and it was daylight, full daylight, uh, we were able to look at the beings for two minutes. There wasn't much in it. There, you couldn't see any controls behind them. The the, the depth of the, the ship was, was only a couple of metres deep as well, so it was like a cigar. Um, you could imagine that it would be able to move through. Uh, the, we've got this book called A Primer of the Zeta Race that's free for the public, and it was written by co-written by a scientist. And uh, the Zetas talk about uh, riding on zero-point etheric rails. And so these smaller craft probably are riding on the etheric rails. If you get too close to the craft, do they admit some type of radiation that can be harmful? Yeah. So uh, Gary Nolan, Dr. Gary Nolan, he's been tasked to work with pilots to work out um, what happens when somebody gets too close to a craft. Um, I've been burnt many times. Uh, people have seen me actually get burnt mm. when I've gone near craft or been with extraterrestrials. And that's the other thing people don't realise. Quite often, if an extraterrestrial comes into your presence, you could actually get burnt as well. Mm. And that's to do with the frequency that they're emitting. Um, it takes a lot of training, and this comes back to disclosure once again, a lot of training to actually... Uh, be in the presence of a true extraterrestrial. Mm. It's different if it's just telepathic. It, it's not going to cause you any physical damage. But if they're physically in the room, they're going to cause your cellular physical body to vibrate at a frequency that's much higher than it's normally used to. Yeah. And it's like being microwaved in some respect. Yeah. We've been told by the Zetas if a craft comes not to go near it, and, and so we don't go near them. What have you learned about dreams? and how they relate to, you know, astral traveling. And so I've been astral traveling since I was five, and uh, we, we're very much, um, we, we know that our dreams guide us. Uh, we work heavily with spirits. Spirits are able in, to interact with us mm. in our dream states and give us advice. Uh, generally the advice is for the next day. Yeah. Um, in regards to... Uh, moving into astral states, I believe. Mm. That's a different type of process. We have to understand that the astral is a compilation of all thoughts that have ever been had, not an Akashic record or anything like that, but from a species. And so when you're asleep at night and you shift out of the astral, into the astral from your physical, a lot of people just vibrate outside of their physical form by a few inches just to give your uh, consciousness a break from having to actually sit in a much lower density. In doing so, quite often, you'll be embedded with all the imagery that's around you within the astral. And um, people 
can then have things like lucid dreaming where they can interact much, much more cognitively with what's mm. going on around them. Yeah. They can also experience abductions, can't they? Yeah, I mean, astral, an abduction in the astral can, as I said earlier, can um, can appear just as real <laughs> as, yeah. uh, as, as it does in real life. Yeah, you really wouldn't know the difference unless you've experienced both regularly and then you, you get to have a slight awareness of the differences. But I was going to say about dreams, you know, the extraterrestrials, they they more often than they used to now do contact people in the dream state because mm. they understand the the damage to the construct by by physically arriving it's, it's whereas easier. they didn't before it's yeah. easier yeah. absolutely are there any messages that the zetas have for humanity yeah there is a, the message is the first message is, is that you are more and in in saying that the second message is, is that uh Ascension does not mean that you are um, absolved of responsibility, that you must take responsibility for your planet and your species. And in doing so, you will learn about your own abilities. In learning about your own abilities and moving and shifting up in frequency and taking your loving body with you as you walk in that space, and demonstrate those abilities to others. That is a true ascension. You mentioned that you have a few books or several books for free. Where can people mm -hmm. find those? Um, on our website, thezetaconnection.com, we've got what's called published material. Now, the, the, there's two books on there that people can just download. One is called A Primer of the Zeta Race, uh, written by a scientist and myself. And the other one is The Zeta Interviews. And that's transcripts of about 700 pages of questions and answers between um, people and the Zetas. Yeah. Those books are free to download. If people want to buy them, they're at cost on Amazon just for a paperback. Or a Kindle. Or, or, a, kin or a Kindle as well. Yeah. The other books that are written are Alien Interaction Tr Trilogy, uh, The Zeta Mind Contact, uh, and the latest one, Inside the Hive Mind. Yeah. And so each of those books performs a specific function you, and teaches. Do you have anything that you're working on besides books that you want people to know about? Mm. Cyan and I are always working on our connection. We're mm. always working on um, – we, we, we hold a lot of uh, teaching. We, we do a lot of training with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a lot of mentoring that takes place. Yeah. And, and one of the things that uh, we get with people is what's called understanding your experience. So we'll get people come to us. They're having a whole lot of experiences. They don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. We'll then uh, take that information, talk to the Zetas about it, come back, mm -hmm. and then have a look at the level of interaction the person's having with extraterrestrials and see where we can try to fill the gap in for them mm. rather than it just being a big mystery. Actually, what is it that the person may need to do to increase that communication level? Yeah, I guess having two lifetimes worth of experiences mm. with spirits, both natural mediums through to with the extraterrestrials, many different races, you know, there's, we sort of sit on a lot of information that we, we that can really help people. Mm. And um, we, we really, wanted to do that. So that's why we came forward to do that a couple of years ago. Yeah. I didn't touch on this earlier, but how did you two meet in this <laughs> lifetime? She can tell you that story. Mm, we've met a few times. <laughs> um, the first, we, we first met when I was around three, three and a half, four years old. And Paul was around six or seven years old at that point. The second time we met, we were both about eight or nine years old. Um, both those times were on craft, and both those times Zetas um, bent the timeline is the best way to describe it. Um, those apparently the only two times we met at the same age on craft. Um, we didn't physically meet on this planet until 2010, uh, but we, I was um, sitting for physical mediumship, and I had a lot of things going on that weren't spirit related. So my sisters would describe seeing the beings from communion over me. Mm. And uh, 
obviously, well, that's not a, a person, that's an extraterrestrial. So I went online to, to look for somebody that might have the answers um, and came across Paul. And so we started communicating via the web forum, uh, PM4U, it was run by the late Robin Foy of the Skull Experiment. Um, so we started chatting through mm -hmm. there. Um, and eventually over a number of years, the my contact uh, increased, became more and more. And um, I was asked by the Zetas if they I, I wanted to work with them in a conscious two-way uh way <laughs> rather than things just happening that I would be involved in that development process and so I agreed to that um, I think that was around 2013 and um, we communicated ever since didn't we yeah. yeah there are a lot of there are a lot of meetings on craft a lot of people have met on craft um, Cyan was fairly yeah. terrified on craft as were other children mm -hmm. um, I'd been on craft a lot and was able to stand between the very tall Zeta and Cyan yeah. and put my hands out between Cyan and the Zeta to, to show Cyan that um, there was nothing to be scared of. Yeah, that, I've, I've condensed some very big stories yeah. <laughs> into a, to a, to a small nut. Uh, um, yeah, maybe, maybe that's for another time. Yeah. <laughs> some of my near-death experiencers travel to a water planet. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? Well, you know, a lot of people um, would may know that planet uh, by different names, but, but we know that as Sirius B. Mm. Um, the aquatic planet is so interesting. I've actually met some of the beings from the aquatic planet. Um, some of them look very much like uh, very large fish, <laughs> uh, different types of sort of gill type things. Um, I would suggest with NDE, and you know, I've had a few of my own as well, and everybody's going to be different because, mm -hmm. um, you know, the potentiality of, of uh, consciousness is infinite. Um, those, those places that we go to is generally based around our point of origin. Mm -hmm. So if those people have basically come from that planet and then incarnated into a physical form, they're only going back home. Mm. It's a, it would certainly suggest that yeah. they have a strong relationship to that planet. Absolutely. That the fact that they've seen it in that circumstance. I've had another guest that's an ET contactee uh, multiple times, and he said one time they took his consciousness out of his body and transported him to some other place. I don't know if it was a ship or another planet, but on that place they had already made a a copy of his body yeah and they implanted his consciousness in that body and he said while he was there the beings were so happy because they had been putting other consciousness in that body and they were happy to meet the real consciousness that was there <laughs> yeah and there's said, a lot of experimentation that takes place um do you know about the box technology that's used we just did a video on youtube about it on uh, the zeta connection uh, it's uh, called the alien box technology and a lot of people that are on craft are actually handed a box mm. and the, the box is used to hold the consciousness of the human, Excellent. of the extraterrestrial because, of course, they've got two consciousness, ET and spirit. And when they're on craft, if they're on craft as a physical human, they need to have a place to hold in frequency the consciousness of the extraterrestrial yeah that they are themselves as a hybrid yeah because they have to change the, the compression or the yeah. atmosphere inside the craft to accommodate the human being on board and fully conscious yeah a lot so of, of people, course they have to protect the extraterrestrial side then a lot of people that are on craft seem missed that's the compression well this guy said that while he was there he met somebody who was also there from south africa yeah. And he said since he's been back, he's been trying to find that guy, but he's been unable yeah. to do so. Yeah, we, we, until we, um, we started speaking to people a few years ago about meeting on craft, we, we thought we were the exception uh, to the rule. But what we've actually come across is so many people have actually met people, mm. their friends or partners on craft. It's actually quite a high number. Mm. So it's really interesting. It always starts... Um, you know, contact's generational. That that's the first thing. But whether whether it skips a generation, uh, but you'll find that uh, mostly it starts very very early. It starts before you incarnate, 
And then once you've incarnated, you actually end up on craft. Well, before we finish up here, can you leave us with one last positive message? What's going on at the moment isn't what people think. It's, uh, it is about change, and the change is fairly substantial. But there are beings, uh, especially the Zetas, that are very much uh, watching what's going on. Uh, of course, we have free will on the planet, and we need, they need to be careful. But to me, I'm just watching what's going on, knowing that it's actually being managed at a much higher level than people believe. Thank you for that message. And Paul and Cyan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.